0: This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfindley.org. I'm going to state the obvious, just to warn you. Today's the day after Christmas. For, for years, I always felt conflicted on the 26th of December and in the days following it, it's it's such a strange time it, it, after the peak of celebration of christmas thinking what's next what everything was great and now there's this this time between christmas and new year's a time for what the, the parties are over gifts are unwrapped what now I've come to appreciate this day, these days in between, so much. Because I, I recognize that while the, the peak of, of stress and excitement and celebration is over, it doesn't mean that the, the hope and joy and peace and love is over. We don't celebrate Christmas on one day because that's the day we, we have to enjoy the gifts that God has blessed us with through Christ. It is the celebration of what remains throughout the year the hope that we have in Christ, the joy that that we share because he is our Lord. That that is the significance. And then these days after that peak, we get to just rest in the knowledge of of what God has done for us, what God has given to us. We get time with family, time to to just be together, to be in his presence, to to recognize the blessing, the belonging to him, of having been given this peace that that carries us through every every difficulty that we face. A joy that lifts us, even when when things don't always feel joyful. In him we find this joy that that resolves those tensions. There's a love that, that surrounds us, and through all of it, this hope that we have a hope that elevates our thinking above the, the things that we face, that elevates our, our perspective toward the future, toward the purpose that we have in Christ. Today, as we continue our, our sermon series, Hope for the Holidays, we're going to continue talking about that hope that we have that comes from Christ alone. And it's a hope that we read in the story of what happened after the birth of Jesus. I thought that was appropriate today, the day after Christmas, to talk about what, the, what came next. It'll be in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 and then following after that. If you have a Bible and you want to open there, please do so. You can read along. The words will be here on the screen. If you have a a device, phone, or tablet, you want to use the YouVersion app, please just open up the app, search under events for Parkview Finley, and you'll find scripture and sermon notes for our sermon this morning. Let's begin reading verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, when Jesus was born, when news about the birth of Jesus came, we we saw the impact that took place in the lives of people around him. First with Zechariah and Elizabeth and the news about their son, John, who would be born, who would be the forerunner of the Messiah, who would prepare the way for Jesus to come, and his life would be linked to Jesus from that day forward. When Joseph and Mary each heard news from the angel about this baby that was going to be born, their lives were were significantly changed. Mary, in accepting this this role from the Lord to carry Jesus, to bring the Son of God into the world, Joseph conflicted about what to do uh, with his marriage, with this relationship that looked like it was ending. The angel intervened and encouraged him to accept his place as the father of Jesus, to take Mary home as his wife and and to raise this boy who would be the savior of his people, who would be Emmanuel, God with us. The shepherds who were out in the, the fields nearby, their night was interrupted with a blinding light from heaven as the angels invited them into the stable, invited them into the story, who communicated to them a value and purpose they had never known before. And the people of Bethlehem. The, the people who were walking the streets that night who happened to bump into a shepherd and heard this outpouring of, of story. You won't believe what happened, the Messiah. And they were they were amazed at what they heard. They're full of hope, full of joy, knowing that the Messiah finally had come into the world. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be there in and around Bethlehem to to, to experience the impact of the birth of Jesus? It'd be incredible. What I find fascinating about the story is that when you move out beyond the fields around Bethlehem, it seems like no one is even aware of what God is doing. Jerusalem, nearby, this massive city. None the wiser. The the regions around, the people of Israel. there's There's no... shockwave that goes out that everybody goes, oh, I think the Messiah was just born. No, the, all the people around, no, none of them know that this amazing thing has happened. The, the, the nations that live around are unaware of what God has done until these men follow a star and their caravan comes to find the baby that has been born King of the Jews. These magi from the east. This is the the beginning of the impact of the birth of Jesus. The wise were looking for for Jesus. And that's what we know about these these men. They're magi from the east. They're they're learned men. They're wise men. What we've called them traditionally. And they enter into the story. But, But they're not... The idea of this, this kind of person isn't foreign to us. It's not like this, this mysterious crew. But we, we've heard about men like this throughout the pages of Scripture. You think back to the book of Genesis when Joseph was taken into Egypt. He served the house of Potiphar. He was thrown into prison. And then he was taken before the king. Why? Because the king had this, the pharaoh, had this, this crazy dream that he couldn't explain. And he invited all of his advisors, all of the learned men who surrounded him, to try and interpret the stream, and they couldn't. And so Joseph was brought in to provide wisdom from God. Now, these men surrounding Pharaoh, these are the kind of men that we're talking about, wise men, knowledgeable men, people who are learned, who are trained, who have an understanding of the world around them and are advisors usually to rulers, people in authority to provide guidance. When Moses went before Pharaoh to demand that he let the people of Israel go, God did to the miraculous through Moses. And the Pharaoh invited his magicians, part of this crew of learned men, to replicate the miracles, to discredit what Moses was talking about, to discredit the power of God. These are the same kind of learned men. And we see them throughout history, especially in the people groups around the the nation of Israel, that their rulers had these these men around them. When Daniel, uh, when we read in his his book of prophecy, of history, about the, uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar, another dream that could not be interpreted by the wise men, and Daniel was brought in. Uh, Belshazzar, the king, he served after that also. Uh, then he went to Darius, and, and we see advisors all around, these kings and rulers. This, this kind of person is known to us. In the New Testament, there's, there's just one example of, of this word. This, this word magi, when the apostles in the book of Acts encounter a man named Simon the sorcerer uh, who's doing, doing things that defy uh, the normal train of thought. He's doing miraculous things in, in the way he's doing them, and he sees the apostles performing miracles, and he says, I want, I want to belong to your group because I want the power of God at my disposal. And they, they have to say, this, this is really not what that's about. You can't buy what, what this is. This is about faith and the whole deal. Anyway, Simon the sorcerer he, in, in the Greek is called Simon magus the singular version of this word, magi, these learned men from the east. We don't know where they came from in the east. If you think about the Mediterranean world where the people of Israel lived, there are so many people groups to the east. There's no indication of how far they traveled. we do know that they have become aware of the fact that the king of the Jews has been born and that if they follow this, this star, they will find him. He will be at the end of their journey. And we have to wonder, how did, they, how did they come to this conclusion that if they would follow the star, they would find the king of the Jews? Some say maybe because they're, they're, they're astrologers and they watch the skies and they see this anomaly, this, is, this body in the heavens that, that isn't a part of a constellation. In fact, it, it isn't stationary. It's moving, and it's not a plane with lights flashing. No, not happening. But that can't be the full explanation because even if they recognized the, the uniqueness of this star and followed it, they still wouldn't know that at the end of their journey they would find the king of the Jews. It might be that when the people of Israel were scattered and Daniel was a part of the, the court of King Nebuchadnezzar and then Darius, that, that a people group uh, had a, a group of people from Israel among them and they heard about prophecy, they heard about story, and they, they recognized that all those prophecies pointed to a Messiah that was coming, a king of the Jews. But none of those would have connected that to the star. And it would seem from later in the story that these magi from the east had been given a message that they were willing to follow, given information, that they made a decision to change the the plan that they had, to take a journey to discover this baby that was born. These are wise, capable men. They have knowledge, they have information, and they use that knowledge to make a decision about what they would do. We hear more about it in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Knowledge about the birth of Jesus was available to those who were willing to see it. This is no secret that the, the Messiah was coming. In fact, the prophecies about the Messiah were no secret either. The birth of Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, many of them, all of them about the Messiah, but, but there were prophecies about other things. Be clear about that. And the magi from the east traveled in search of the one who was born king of the Jews. They were from far away and willing to travel to experience the fulfillment of prophecy. The Jewish religious leaders were close at hand in Jerusalem. They had full access to the Old Testament scripture. In fact, they dedicated their lives to the study of the scripture, to to the law, to prophecies. They they knew them without question. When asked about the location of the birth of the Messiah, Herod called them in. Tell me, you, you have to know the answer. What does the scripture say about where the Messiah will be born? Where is Bethlehem? They, they knew without hesitation the information was there. And yet, they had not done anything about it. I, if it were me, part of this group of religious leaders, I would have stationed people in Bethlehem. Knowing the prophecy that said a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, I would have placed some people there just to wait and watch. All the babies who were born just go and congratulate the family double check the prophecies see how if any of them line up with this wait for that moment when the messiah comes why are they in jerusalem so close at hand and yet unwilling they have no desire they have no interest in being present of acknowledging this messiah it's not information that the religious leaders were lacking they had the prophecies they knew what was coming they were lacking the wisdom to use that information to make decisions for the good of the people. And here we have just one example of the prophecies about the Messiah. He would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Just one. And the the birth of Jesus made an impact. It made an impact on the Magi who traveled to, to meet him. It made an impact on Herod, even though not the same kind of impact. It's clear that Herod was troubled by the news that a rightful king of the Jews had been born. He was troubled because he imagined himself to be the ruler of the Jews. He was part Jewish himself and ruled over that region. And he saw the birth of a Messiah, the king of the Jews, as a threat to his his authority. And I find it interesting that Scripture tells us that when Herod was troubled by this news, all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Now, the the people of Israel live in Jerusalem. They've been raised on the truth of the Old Testament Scripture, knowing that a Messiah was coming, knowing that the Messiah meant deliverance, salvation, redemption, all of these incredible things that would come about with the birth of the Messiah. And yet when they hear this news, they're troubled along with Herod. Why would that be? When a power-hungry, cruel leader is threatened, the people around him suffer. When a leader like that works for self-preservation at the expense of his people, it produces fear and uncertainty throughout all the people who are under his rule. And here's a man who can disturb an entire city with the whim of his emotion. Now, there's a, There will always be a discrepancy between people who possess knowledge and those who are willing to use that knowledge for the good of people. There will always be a difference between those who are intelligent and those who are wise. Wisdom is the use of knowledge, is the application of knowledge. It is the the decision to, to use information for appropriate, healthy decisions that will not only benefit you, but benefit the people around you. That's how we define wisdom. And yet, wisdom seems to be one of those elusive things that, that people struggle to take hold of. In, in Scripture, we find a great example of, of wisdom in the pages of the Old Testament. In fact, the, the King Solomon, the son of David, is one of those examples of, of how wisdom works. As he was taking the throne, God allowed him the opportunity to ask for anything. And Solomon, before the Lord, said, I would like to have the wisdom to rule my people well. God granted him wisdom above everyone else. And for a time, Solomon used that wisdom for the good of his people. And he ushered into the people of Israel a time of peace and prosperity, unlike any they had ever experienced before, that surpassed the rule of David, his father. As the years passed, Solomon became famous for the wisdom that he possessed. People would travel to ask him questions and hear what he had to say. People would travel to marvel at the splendor of his palace, of the temple that he had built, of the, the possessions that he had amassed, the storerooms of treasure that, that existed there. But as those years passed, something changed in Solomon. Where he once acted selfishly, selflessly, as he once acted for the people and grew his kingdom, he began to, to think inwardly and act selfishly. He began to live for the treasure that he had amassed. He began to live for the, the fame of being the wisest man on earth. He began living for the renown that people would come and travel to see him. He began living for the affection of women. and He was allured by them. And he, he developed a very destructive pattern of behavior, seeking after his own glory living for the reputation that he had amassed. Now, he still had all that knowledge at his disposal, but his ability to act on that knowledge is what changed. This is what we see present in in Herod, this this selfishness, this self-preservation. Herod was living for the authority of his rule and his reign. And when he felt threatened by that, by these, these men coming to seek out the rightful king of the Jews, he chose to protect his own power. He chose to seek out the Messiah to try and keep him Keep Jesus from threatening his throne. We read in in verse 7, Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is an incredible picture that we have of these men who traveled, bringing with them treasure, treasure, that they then knelt and placed in front of a baby, and they bowed down and worshiped Jesus. Wisdom honors Christ as Lord. These magi from the east came to honor Christ as Lord. They had information that the the king of Jews was going to be born, and they acted on that and, and came to find Jesus. This moment was a source of joy for them. They had no other purpose on this trip than to to find Jesus and worship him and honor him. After this moment, they fade out of the pages of Scripture. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their homes. They provide for us this example of what wisdom teaches us, to honor Christ as Lord. Herod didn't follow that wisdom. He had the same information about, about Jesus as king of the Jews, and yet, He used that information selfishly, hoping to destroy his opposition. Wisdom points us to honor Christ as Lord. The example we have shows us what we should do. We recognize the value of that example. We have all the information we need in the pages of Scripture that point us to Christ as Lord and Savior. And we fight the same battle. We fight the battle of Solomon, being tempted by wealth, fame, reputation, the allure of the opposite sex, the affection of other people. We fight the battle that Herod fought, struggling to maintain authority, power, and rule. Wisdom points us to honor Christ as Lord, to surrender to His Lordship in our lives, and yet there are so many other things that are vying for that place, that are hoping to pull us away from the Lord so that they can claim that throne in our lives. The, the struggle that we face in honoring Christ as Lord is rarely about a refusal to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Usually, that struggle that we face is because we're drawn towards so many other things, drawn toward the accumulation of wealth, drawn toward the attention of other people, drawn to the power and authority of a position, drawn to the affection of other people. And we begin chasing after those things and submitting to those things in our lives. And we find ourselves placing one of those things on the throne of our lives, submitting to them as Lord, submitting to them as the thing that we choose to live our lives for. When we know full well what we should be doing is living our lives for Jesus as Lord, surrendering to his will and to his way. Now that's a decision that begins when we accept him as Lord and Savior. But it's not a decision that ends there. And as much joy and peace and hope that we have in our lives when we place Christ on the throne of our lives for the very first time, That can remain, but it's a decision that we have to make each and every day to continue submitting to him, to keep surrendering to him as Lord and Savior, to continue following after him with the decisions of our lives. Wisdom reminds us to continually surrender to him. Now the story that we have continues for just a few more verses. I want to finish this this portion of of Scripture with you as we see the wise men exit the story and acknowledge the, the truth here that continues to point to Jesus as Messiah, as the fulfillment of prophecy. This is uh, verses 13 through 23. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. "'Get up,' he said, "'take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. "'Stay there until I tell you, "'for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him.' "'So he got up, took the child and his mother "'during the night, and left for Egypt, "'where he stayed until the death of Herod. "'And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said "'through the prophet.'" An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. And notice how all of these prophecies come together in the person of Jesus. All of these Old Testament pieces of information that have, that have been in existence for thousands of years some of them they, they come together in the person of Jesus. And we think back through the story, Joseph responded to a Roman census and traveled with his pregnant betrothed to a little town, because that's the line of people that he came from. Instead of leaving Mary at home and going to be counted himself, he took her with him. And by chance, that was Bethlehem, the place where prophecy said the Messiah would be born. Joseph brought Mary to the place where Jesus would be born to fulfill prophecy. He fled from Herod To Egypt. Out of Egypt I will call my son. Herod responded in in wrath, killing children. And again, it aligns with prophecy. Joseph returned with his family and veered to the north, to the region of Galilee, chose this small town to settle in, and thus fulfills the prophecy. He'll be called a Nazarene. All of these pieces of information, all of this this knowledge comes together in the person of Jesus. But the truth of God's word isn't just about Old Testament prophecy. It's about the gospel of love and grace, hope, that is also fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And everything we read in the pages of the New Testament comes together in the person of Jesus. The hope that we have in celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ is all about the person of Jesus All of Scripture culminates in Him and is fulfilled by Him. And we have this truth about Jesus as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. This information, this knowledge that comes from God's Word. But information isn't enough. Having the truth in our hands isn't enough. We have to make a decision based on that information. Wisdom points us to that. And that's the the challenge I place before you today. To use that information for your good, for the good of the people around you. Use that information to make an appropriate, wise, healthy decision about your relationship with the Lord as you surrender to him as Lord of your life. Now, maybe for you, that's a, a, a first-time decision based on your belief in him, on your faith in him, that you would repent of your sins and be baptized in his name, confessing him as Lord. Maybe for you, That's a decision that you have to make to to remove the things that have been keeping you from the Lord and submit and surrender to Him with all of who you are. And you've recognized that the way you're living your life now is very unwise. And the best thing that you can do is to step back into the path that God has for you and surrender to Him. However it is that God is calling you to respond this morning, I want to challenge you to answer that call. And as we stand together and sing, there's a decision that you need to make publicly, if there's anything in your life that you'd like to have prayer for, I invite you to come forward.